Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Let's Talk Here podcast. My name is Araz. I'm your host. Uh, welcome to season three, guys. I said this at the top of the season. Like, I'm so proud of myself that we are in the third season. I'm doing something a little different this season. I'm bringing on some people who I absolutely love, who I admire, who I look up to, who I feel bring value um, to this industry. Because while I feel like there's a lot that I've learned and I like to share, I'm also a big fan of perspective and talking to other people who are doing some really fucking phenomenal things. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you will already see that there is a beautiful guest um, that I have on. But if you are listening, um, I brought on my friend Dominique uh, on Instagram. It's hair by Dom D. Um, I've been watching her journey on social media. I don't know. I feel like we became friends with six, eight months ago ish. Maybe a little longer. Yeah, longer. She's just so fucking cool. A, she's gorgeous. B, like your energy. Like, I love her energy. Um, But the reason I wanted to bring her on is because she is a million dollar salon owner. She has a phenomenal team. Like, she's cultivated a pretty, what I can tell from just looking, a really solid uh, culture in her salon. So, I think this episode will be beneficial for everybody, but especially if you're a salon owner, especially if you want a team of really fucking good, solid people and you want to be successful, I think Dom's going to bring some perspective that maybe uh, you didn't have. Um, My understanding in watching you, Dom, on social is you are changing the way people run salons. You are changing this narrative of what it's like to be a salon owner from the old school mentality uh, uh, to, to what kind of it's morphing into now and so I'm going to stop talking I'm going to pass it over to you if you could do an introduction talk about your journey and then we're going to kind of flow guys we have a couple things we want to talk about but I am so in the space of just like ease and flow so we're going to let it flow Dom it's all you baby well I I just appreciate you know you bringing me on like our little our, our little friendship that we've cultivated ourselves over the past you know eight months to a year and we've been wanting to do this for a while but you know life gets in the way Um, you know, I'm a hairstylist first, um, before I'm a salon owner, before I'm an educator, I am a stylist. I am still behind the chair and full time. I am, I'm, I'm in the trenches with my team. Um, I've been doing hair for about, I would say 18 years now, probably 2004, 2005, right when I graduated high school. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. And it, it evolved into salon ownership, not by any means of just, wanting to have something that I didn't, the market didn't have. Um, the education came from just wanting to share what I knew to help others. And, um, being a multimillion dollar salon came from just doing right by other people. So these were not rocket. These are not rocket science fundamentals. And I know that you would like that word. Mm-hmm. Um, these are just <laughs> life foundation things that I just chose to do things right and treat other people correct. And that helped me. And that is what catapulted me to be better. And that is what put me, you know, to earn the right to be an educator, to earn the right to be an owner, to earn the right to lead other people. Um, I don't like doing anything that I don't have any authority on and to be able to teach others and lead others. I feel that I have to be an expert in some of the things that I teach on because, you know, if you don't walk it like you talk it or uh, bullshit, no. And and the thing is we are in a very transparent world now where it doesn't look like it is, but it's like, we are starting to be able to see through 
you know, social media, we are, we are now starting to want receipts, you know, and if you can't bring the receipts, then you shouldn't be up there talking on it. Right. And it takes a certain kind. Yeah. It, it takes a certain kind of uh, energy and a certain kind of person to be a salon owner because the shit is hard. You know um, it's really hard, especially for those owners out there listening who have bigger teams. Like it, we are peopling. We're not doing hair. We're peopling. Like we you're are also doing hair and you're educating and you're peopling. Right. You're yeah, we're peopling and I'm peopling all the time. Um, but the salon business is changing. The commission salon owner salon is changing. I mean, for a while, like we were getting shit on for, you know, heavy there for a minute, but I think we're about to make a comeback because I think the industry is starting to shift. So the people that I think are coming up as owners that are in my age group, I'm 38. Um, I started becoming a salon owner in my early, like mid to late thirties, mid thirties, I guess. Yeah. Mid thirties. Um, we were in those toxic salons with those owners who did things old school, never a day off, no flex schedule, had to scrub the floors, had to earn your right, had to earn your keep, uh, had to have seniority. You know, we're stuck behind a shampoo bowl for three years. Mm. You know, um, that's over. Yeah. It is over. dead, guys. And you know what I think contributed to that? And you correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, so I'm in California, so we don't have a lot of commission salons anyways. There's a lot of booth rent. But right. I travel a lot to teach all across the country. And so I see what's going on um, in the industry in different regions. So I think what happened is we had that toxic salon culture for a really long time. And then here comes sweets, right? All of these sweets where people are like selling y'all the pipe dream of you can own your own business and you can make a lot of money. You can All of that is true if you have the fundamental principles of running a salon or a business. And if you right. don't, then you fucked, right? So all these people left these toxic ass salons And they're like, I'm going to do business for myself, by myself, in my suite, not understanding how to run a business. So then there was this this time, which was probably in the last few years, where people don't want to go back to toxic salon culture, right? But they're having a really hard time independent in their suites by by themselves with no guidance, with no collaboration. So I think it brings about this space that you've created right? Where it's like, okay, let's go back to salon culture, but take away the toxicity of it and put in uh, doing right by people, being fair, being kind, being supportive. Like, let's take them. Yeah. And fucking pay them legally, legitimately, and not doing the shady shit. So I think that's where we're at as an industry. Now, there are some people who thrive in the studio. I work by myself. Um, You know, I I've never had the goal of owning a salon. I can't people that well. I can't manage people, but I love the idea of it. Right. Um, and so I think that's like kind of how it all unfolded while there are still some people in suites. Now you're seeing people leaving suites and creating little mini salons or going to salons where, you know, there's community, there's culture, there's structure, there's benefit. Um, so I think that's kind of what led to it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people don't really know this, but I was in a suite for six years. So yeah, I was an independent. I I was I had the big suite in there. I loved it. I did exceptionally well. Um, I had an assistant with me at all times. Um, it I did I did great. If I would have stayed there with the knowledge that's out there for independence now, I probably would have still been in a suite because the education that has come out for business uh, independence has been absolutely wonderful and. Those who are independent. So many people who are coaching. Oh my God. Like that's what we needed. 
And yeah, if those sweet owners are not, one. yeah, if these sweet owners are not listening to these people, I mean, they should because, you know, yes, you can do hair all day long and make a fuck ton of money, yeah. but it's but also going in what comes out. But it's like there's so much other things that you have to be in charge of: the admin, the advertising, or the marketing, or whatever, the social, the, the getting back to the clients, the the follow up, whatever. Um, but as an independent, I did ex- I did exceptionally well. I, you know, I, I probably made, I don't know, but I, I just know that I was tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know I was tired, money, but you was tired. Yeah. I was tired. And I was now at the point where I was turning down business because there was no time left in the day. Um, so I knew that I needed to, you know, either, I don't know, run a chair. I mean, at that point I was even thinking about leaving the, the business completely. Because I literally didn't have any burnout. Like you were kind of like, no, I just, I didn't know what to do. Like, okay, I'm, I've hit an income ceiling. The assistant that I had at the time didn't want to be behind the chair, but she was excellent. Like, I didn't want to lose her. Um, And then I'm like, why don't I just open a baby salon? Right? Like, if I just I could run six chairs all day, but in my suite, I only have two. If I had six, I could have two assistants and have a 1000 square feet or something like that. And just keep my income ceiling lifts, right? But now I'm doing 10 times more of the work. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm a new mom. Like, I, I'm i not thinking that life you is said, still... When you said baby salon, it would still be you, just additional assistance. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking that other people wanted to work for me. Didn't okay. even cross my mind. Oh, damn. Okay. Go on. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should get someone to help me, like other stylists. Like, like I did not want to be a salon owner. Just like you said, like there was no desire. I saw what those salon owners went through. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm not trying to manage all those people with all those, right. emotions, those emotions. So then, Yeah, I know. Um, then I was just like, I was thinking about all this toxicity that I went through in my come up of like all the dumb shit that they made me do for no reason. And I'm like, you know, what if I just open something really small? And I just get a couple of good people and I put them on commission and I give them some of my clients so that I can spend time with this kid that I just had. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, okay, I'll try that. So it took me a year. I had really, you know, again, I hit an income ceiling. So like, it wasn't like I had a bunch of capital to go do a $200,000 build out. I was lucky enough to find a space where this lady wanted out. And I approached her and said, Hey, um, are you like, do you want out? And she was like, yeah, actually I do. And she's like, I need 20 grand. I'm like, I don't have 20 grand. Cause I'm gonna have to put 20 grand in this place. It's like a hundred years old. I had saved my tips for like a year and a half knowing that this was gonna, I was going to do something with my life. Um, and she said, okay. And I made a deal with her, which was to, I let her work for free, rent free for a year. And that would equal about 24 grand. Wow. And she said, okay, great. And she agreed. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, she was happier than shit because no rent. She just had this rent that she was paying for the last 18 years. Now she can come and go as she pleases. And you're going to renovate the space and make it all hella cute too. So. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, at 30 grand, I mean, I didn't, now when I look back at it, I'm like, oh my God. And I thought this was glamorous. You know what I mean? After, you know. It was at the time. It was perfect. It was right. But now I know, but I mean, it was, I was balling on a budget for sure. Um, And then like all of a sudden, like, I started to, you know, social media it and, and market it and people started to know that I was out there and I built it. I had no marketing budget. I had, I mean, I had no, I didn't even have a budget. I had no availability to do any marketing, SEO, none of that. It was just it's social media. Yeah. It was just social media and the reputation that I had in the, in, in the area for the past 15 years. So that didn't hurt. 
Um, and then I brought another one on and she was, you know, and you know, all of my stylists are like under 30 years old. Wow. I'm the oldest one in the room. That's awesome. That's so much fucking like young, creative freaking juice. Like, Oh yeah. And then to watch them, to watch them grow is, is something that, you know, I can't ever put into words. And like, I just keep saying to myself, would I want to work here at 20 something? Yeah. Cause that's Cause the now- thing that makes you have to realize too, as a salon owner, typically if you're in the position to be a salon owner, you've got a few years, maybe a decade or so under your belt, um, depending on how old you were when you started, you're not the young blood of the fresh people coming into the end. And that's, no. okay. and that's okay, but you have to think like them. It's an adjustment. Like it was hard, like in the beginning, because like you, you work by yourself, right? So I worked by myself for so long that I wasn't used to working next to other people. I wasn't used to sharing my space and my drawers and the way that I did things. And yeah, I was take, crazy. yeah, I had to take the hairstylist hat off super quick. And actually it took me like more than a year to take the hat off and start thinking like an owner. And there was still part of those hairdresser moments for me where I was like, I can't give my clients away. What, what if they just leave? Like I operated in fear for a long time because I'm just waiting for these people. I'm going to build them up and they're going to walk the fuck out because Why? that's what. Yeah. Because I, that's what you, you experience. Right. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, I, in my career, I've watched m- multitude of walkouts Massive walkout. That there is a term that is used in the industry when we say walkouts and everyone knows exactly what the fuck that right. means. Right, like that, that's a thing. It's a thing. It happened for a whole fucking salon. Everybody walks out and now the owner's left. But why is the owner left with that shit? Because they likely created a toxic-ass environment that was not supportive and conducive to the growth of new stylists because they're thinking how they were when they got out of beauty school and not where the industry is now. What does the young blood need? What do the newbies need? So the newbies, and they're smart. Mm-hmm. They are smart AF because let me tell you something. They're, not gonna put they, up they're watching things and they know their worth and they know that they shouldn't be working. They don't, I've, from, I mean, what I've observed is that they, we like, we are, I'm a workaholic. I don't know about you, but like. Covering, but yes. Yes. No, I, I am. I am like what everybody doesn't want <laughs> I am that hustle culture. I am that, that is me. And I am. There's I, nothing wrong with that. If you're good with it and it's working, then fucking keep it's doing It's fine for me. And that's all I know. And I, I operate well that way. Um, I'm, t- I'm learning to take more time just for myself and to be with my kids. And that's been rewarding. But I wouldn't be able to do that without had the you team not that I have. And not had you not hustled for as long as you did. Right. Um, my team was, I mean, has been so supportive of me and my endeavors. I mean, I had another kid 30 days. I mean, I got pregnant 30 days after I opened my salon with my second. I was like, holy shit. Oh, girl. I was devastated. Devastated. Yeah, because that's really so devastated. Um, but I mean, they picked up for me. They took my clients when, I mean, that pregnancy was a little bit more rough than the first one. But they, they delivered for me. And, you know, it was a short time, but they knew that. I had their back even at, you know, being sick and, and you know what I mean? I was going to work my, you know, work as much as I could. And when I went on maternity leave, you know, I told them like, God, this is your time to, to clean up. Yes, please show Use up. my absence as an opportunity. Yeah. Use this uh, because make uh, them not want to come back to me. So they all were like all built super fast because I was out. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic happened and he was born like probably a little bit before the pandemic. But my point is, is, we had each other's back very quickly in because they 
are not, like I said, they are very smart. They read through bullshit. You know what I mean? They, you're only as faithful as your options and there's suites out there. There's other salons, there's rentals, there's all this other shit and they can go as they please right now if they choose, but you don't own them. Right. But my question is for salon owners is like, okay, you're always thinking of all the reasons that they're going to leave. Why don't you think of all the reasons that they're going to stay? How are they going to stay? How are you going to encourage them to want? What are you offering them? Like, I'm not saying that everybody needs to lay out the red carpet for them, but, and they don't have to work, but I'm saying it's like, it's a partnership, right? So we are, this is like the owning industry. Yeah. Like this is an opportunity for a stylist to open or have a business within another business with no risk. Or minimal risk. I took the risk. My house is on the line. So use that, be the best you can be behind that little five by five and kill it. I know, and I say to my team, I know you're not going to work here forever. I know that you're the only one person that's dying in here is me. Right. So while the time we are together, make the most of it and just be a human. And take everything that you can squeeze the juice out of my Right. Use my opportunity. Use my reputation. Use it. Abuse it. Make it amazing. Um, And I feel like when we talk that way to them, that the pressure of not operating as fear is gone because they're like, oh, she knows that I'm eventually probably going to leave one day. So we don't have to hide. Yeah. But B, what am I doing to make them stay? I'm providing a flexible schedule. I'm not making them work more than they want to. Um, If they are not busy, I do not make I don't hold them hostage in there. Yeah. I you say, have to okay. sweep every hair with a toothbrush because you right. like no. make some content and then go home for the day. Like, or see if you see anything around or stick around for maybe a chance that somebody's calling in or make some, you know, do some do social media. Yeah. Yeah. Do some, and then they do it. And then, um, I'll, you know, to you. Yeah. That's the thing. Like there's this cycle that is so toxic and it plays out in relationships. It plays out in business. It plays out in friendships. And it's the three arms, right? There's resistance, resentment, revenge. Resistance is not accepting what is. You don't like the situation or whatever, right? I don't like that my boss makes me stay here and I'm sitting here fucking cleaning the floor with a toothbrush because- Doing nothing, making nothing. It's a resistance. And then you get resentful to your salon owner. And it's like, fuck, I can't stand this bitch. Oh my God, who does she think she is? Blah, 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 blah. And then you will see, they seek revenge. Somehow, someway, the revenge could be the fucking mass walkout, right? The revenge could be accidentally fucking up someone's hair, ruining the reputation of the salon. Like, all of that is part of that revenge that starts from resistance that comes from the salon owner not supporting us or not creating a space for them to thrive. When right. you micromanage, when you, and listen, I'm not a salon owner. I'm just, I relay this in life. But when you're so on top of somebody and holding them to this impossible standard, they're going to fucking cave. They're gonna right. Cave. And the thing is, they're like, you have to, we are humans first. And like, I make mistakes and, you know, mistakes are okay. And, you know, when I check in with my team, like, I'm not checking in with them just talking about numbers. Like, I'm asking them, like, are How you are good? You? Yeah. What like, is what's, going on? Yeah. Like, I feel that, like, I'll pick it up right away. Like, I can even just, because I'm so in tune with them. And let me tell you something, like, I have crossed lines. Like, Oh, don't cross lines with your team. I'm sorry. I cross fucking personal lines because that is the only way that they know that I, they trust me. Yeah. And you have to build that. When trust. something is ups- when one of them is upset about something, I'm not going to be that person that says, leave your personal shit at the door. No, this is personal. Yeah. You're human and you're feeling all the feelings and they can bring it in. And you and can if help you're upset about something that's happening in your family. Like, tell me, you don't yeah. have to exactly tell me what's going on, 
but are you okay to work today? And if you're not, and, this, and if you're I, not, you space. have to let me know right now space. and let me handle the rest and you take a breather. Like, I'm never going to fire somebody. Like 20 for that. years ago, that would never have been possible in my salon. Oh. Ever. You show up, you work, you're scheduled, you have clients, you work. And it didn't matter that, I mean, I mean, all the things, I mean, I could sit here and podcast all day about all the things I was told to do and lies I was told and things that I needed to do to get to where, I mean, who knows where I would have been if I would have been nurtured properly and not, you know, instilled fear for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I tell, like breaks are okay. Like, am I want, I said, don't do how I do. I, I mean, I, I go, listen, it's hard to teach old dog, old dog, new tricks. Like I'm not going to eat lunch today because I, I overbooked myself. That is me. Don't do that. You know, and I'm okay with them not wanting to double book. I'm okay with them taking their time. Just let me know what the time is so we can accommodate the pricing for that. Like, let's just be open about it. It is what it is. I think it comes to, oh my God, this has been such a theme for me in so many areas of my life of like the value of just being open, honest, and transparent Yeah. in all of the ways. Like people, I don't think understand how much that helps in operating your business or in even having a successful personal life is like when you're open, honest, and transparent with people, then you are now being seen and heard and you're validating. Like my salon, my salon owner is validating me. She sees yeah. that I'm going through something at work or personally and my dog died or whatever. Right. I don't have to put on this front and, and I don't, I don't want to double book. So I don't, I have to double book and she's okay with it. As like, long as, as long as the income uh, expectations yeah. and reality match. And ultimately it's not the income expectations are not just for you as a salon owner to benefit. It's for them to oh, benefit. For Come on, you want to work. You want to make money. You want to live. So let's figure out a way to take, I think this is what you're saying is what do you want? What do I need? How do we marry the two so that it's a cohesive uh, right. relationship that's reciprocated on both ends? It's so easy. And that's the thing. Like people don't understand. Yes. Leadership is it's not something that everyone ever masters. Leadership is a practice. It is a practice that is every day. It will never be mastered because you're leading different people and different people grow and change. So the person that I was leading five years ago is not the person I'm leading today. And I think so, what I love about you is that you have that mindset where a lot of salon owners that I've met, especially in the past, not so much recently, but especially yeah. in the past is no, I'm, I'm the salon owner. And it's this very fixed ideology of what that role looks like. And there's no growth in it. There's no flexibility. There's no leniency. There's no perspective of like, oh no, maybe it needs to be a little bit different. Things are changing. Industry is changing. Everything's changing. So if you stay like this, the industry is going to fucking chew you up and spit you out in two fucking seconds. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you, if you, I mean, in any way of life, if you are not able to evolve, like you're fucked. You're entirely fucked. Yeah. Because the thing is weird. Here's the things that are, here's what the new stylists want. And this is what they're not, some of them are not getting. And I would say that there are less of me right now There will be more, there will be more of me soon. And as you speak about this, right, even the podcast, whoever hears it, uh, it's going to influence and and catapult that change in the industry from getting out of this fixed mindset of I'm a salon owner, I know better, and I run a tight fucking ship in this box, you can fucking crash and burn, right? So what's happening is, is it's expanding, right? And as more people talk about it, it's, 
It, well, like you said, the whole point of talking about this on this podcast is perspective. Yeah. Right. So my perspective is, so this is a hard truth that I had to deal with is when I look, numbers don't lie. Right. So when I leave to go educate, all right, or if I leave because I don't know, one of my kids is sick for five days or who that, or life happens to me, my team's numbers go up. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. They do better when I'm not in the fucking building. And you're a fucking dope salon owner. So it's not like you're running this tight ship and it's not no. like you're a psycho. It's, it's so funny because in our area, I have a reputation of running a tight ship. Okay. And if anyone locally is listening to this, they probably would be like, she's full of shit. So I have this reputation out there that I run this tight, strict. I am a pit bull with feathers. Hmm. Okay, I am so fucking soft. It's disgusting now. And I am soft. And maybe it's because I became a mom. I don't know. Dude, that'll fucking soften you real fucking quick. Right up. And so, and I've crossed lines that I'm not supposed to cross. There are people out there that say, these are your employees. This is the way it is. You don't hang out with your employees. You don't do this. I'm like, "Uh, no, because they are... I, re- I revere them so much as human beings that I love spending time with them. I invite them into my home. I've invited them when they've had hard times in their personal lives. I've brought them in my home with my family to stay for a couple of days to just chill out. They're coming over in about an hour. Some of them are coming over an hour because they want to spend time with my kids outside for Halloween. I am not going to say no to that. Because then it takes, a, I mean, I get what you're saying, right? A lot of people will say, hey, business is business, personal is personal. But in the salon industry, in our industry, it's not because ultimately, I mean, think about even with our clients, when people say don't be friends with your clients. Oh, well, I, I understand that to a certain degree. You're yes. in your client's personal space. They are divulging. You guys are connecting. You are on a different level. So how do you just cut that? So it's fun every fucking weekend, but like the one, right. So on one hand, yes, exactly. So on one hand we're saying, and we're seeing this everywhere on social, you have to make your experience with your guest personal. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, we're saying, don't get too personal or else you're going to blur a boundary. Your team, you need to treat your team like humans and connect with them and be good to them and, treat them fairly and care about the character of the human being. But then again, you have a fine line that you don't cross. You can't cross. You're going to cross lines when you're doing it correct. You're going to. But the thing is, if you set expectations and boundaries from the get go. From hiring. Yes. From hiring, there are expectations, there are boundaries. And this is even with clients that you take on expectations and boundaries. And you communicate those clearly. Would you see a fly? No, it's like this huge like eagle sitting outside my door, my window. I'm like, I see your eyes just, um, so that's what I was saying though. So when you communicate those boundaries and you enforce them, then you can cross lines into the personal space without blurring boundaries and blurring lines. Yes. Blurring. So what we do, like we have like um, quarterly one-on-ones, right? Um, and anytime that I have an issue with one of them, they know that, you know, before every, when we have a meeting and we're going to have, it's a quarter meeting and we're going to have, you know, one-on-ones before everybody goes in for a one-on-one. I'm like, listen, this is the time where we're going to have our conversations privately. I might say some things that you don't like. 
you might not like me after that conversation. I hope that's not the case, but just understand that it's coming from a place of love and it's coming from a place of growth and business. Numbers don't lie. And if I have something to discuss with you, you probably already know that I'm going to discuss it with you. And that's why you're shitting your pants for this one. I'm right. Like, you know, it's coming. So right. let's put it all on the table and understand that we both love, respect each other. It is business. And how can we help each other and reciprocate this growth? Right. You win, I win. You eat, I eat. I eat, you eat. Like, right. Like, what, and I always say, like, you know, this is hard to do, too, is because, you know, like after the one on one, I'm like, what is there anything that I've done in the past 90 days that has rubbed you the wrong way? Yeah. And, and if you think the goal be that they can communicate that with you in real time instead of wait for the nine days. So uh, to be completely transparent, um, I actually have a stylist who's been with me one of the longest. And for some strange reason, um, our relationship was kind of rocky there for a little bit. I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know what happened, but I could feel a, a disconnect mm -hmm. and tension a little bit. And we would communicate. I mean, like, close, you know? And, um, I felt it. And in our one-on-one, -on -one, like before our one-on-one, -on -one, or I, I brought her in for an early one-on-one because -on -one I just couldn't take it. Hey, anymore. Look, something is up. We need to fucking get to yeah. this. So I brought her in and I'm like, what is happening? And, you know, she actually, you know, said to me, you know, and I said what I had to say. And I was like, you know, this, this is like hurting me. Like what, what is going on? Like, um, and she said, you know, you had came at me sideways about something about a six N or something four months ago. And I'm like, I did not know that. Yeah. I do. must we say some shit and we don't. Right. Know and so I said, so, so what, what was the shift? You just decided to not speak to me about it. I said, have you been holding this against me for four months? And she was like, yeah, I'm like, I, that sucks. And I, and I'm sorry, but you know me well enough to know that you can come to me. She's like, well, I didn't feel like I could. I'm like. I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. Um, and I think you need to nip it immediately next time so that. Well, that's the three I was playing out resistance, resentment, revenge. Not right. Exactly. To withhold and, relationship with you and right. hold you at in disregard because uh, of those three cycles, but also good feedback, right. Yeah. To you, if she's saying, Hey, I felt like I couldn't come to you. Yeah. So you can now then clear it up and be like, Hey, I want you to be able to come to me at any time. But right. then you take a look at what did I do? How was I being that maybe made her feel like she couldn't come to me? Maybe there's an adjustment I can make as a salon owner. And maybe it was just that conversation. So we also do this thing and I encourage any salon owner um, to do this um, is the, I make my team do the 16 personalities test. Mm -hmm. And we did an exercise. Like the disc test, the whatever, all of that. Yeah. At whatever, which one ever you, whatever's free, whatever, yeah. um, and whatever's free. Um, and just to get the understanding. Right. So we sent them, I sent them all the link and then they would take the test and then privately, uh, they would send me the result and I would go read it. And then in their group text, I said, okay, we've all taken our results. I want everybody to list who they are. Mm -hmm. So me. Yeah. Um, so then at the meeting, I print all the personalities out and everybody goes up and signs their name under where they belong. And then I group them of who is who, who is who. And then each person from that group reads who they are. And then we ask them, can you please tell the team something, a weakness that you have and a strength that you have that are, that 
aligns with this personality so that we can have better understand you more. We can better understand. We can better communicate. We can better hold, hold in that space for it's brilliant. Like people do that in big corporations all the time. Yes. You'll see all the freaking C-level uh, staff take those tests so that they, and they, they have so much fun with it because they learn about each other. So now we use that in our salon and I have a board in my office of all of the lists and we have the names, whoever is who under there. And I said, listen to me right now. If any of you have an issue with one of your coworkers, the first thing you need to do is go back in my office. You need to find that person and you need to read how they react to conflict. Yeah. So that and you, you come at them in a way that they can understand. Yes. And that to me is like, honestly, Dom, it's common sense, but I would have never thought to bring that into the salon. So it's I genius. hope if you're a salon owner and you're listening to this, that it sparks this in you to take it away from just Hair. numbers, beliefs, uh, numbers, um, expectations, just all the work shit and bring the humanness to it. Because I think that's the reason or one of many reasons why you have the staff that you have, why you have the success that you have, why you have the results that you have is it's not just numbers. While numbers are so important, obviously you're right. Like ultimately like that matters. It's more than that. Right. It's it's the culture. It's the human. It's the connection. It's the it's all of that. So if you're a salon owner and I feel like I can't speak intelligently on this because I'm not a salon owner of a staff. Like I don't have a staff. Right. I have my salon you're a leader. I'm a leader in other ways, too. But yes, you're a leader. Um, but still, I don't feel like I can speak too intelligently on it because I don't have the same experience. But what I'm hearing from you, I hope everyone who's listening is hearing is like it's a different industry now, guys. I'll even speak for myself on an education standpoint, distribution standpoint, things are changing rapidly. So of course, salons are changing as well. So it's either you get with the times and you meet the industry where it's at. I teach on this with clients, right? Meet your clients where where they're at. Meet them where they're at. Clients, this is kind of going off on a tangent. Clients don't want to spend seven hours and $3,000 in the salon if they don't have it. So we're over here, like there's people, I took a class last year and it was a six hour class. That one look took six hours while it was beautiful. That is not going to be useful for me. My clients don't want that shit. I teach on saving time, efficiency. Like how can you, how can I create the beautiful, most beautiful results? Like fucking bomb ass hair in less time. That's, that's what the industry wants. Also people with their spending, like economic climate things are kind of weird right now. So to charge you know, $3,000 for a seven hour going back to great transformation. That's a fucking diamond. Like it's, it's a needle in a haystack finding that client. So meet people where they're at, meet your staff, where they're at, meet your clients, where they're at, meet your students, where they're at. That's, that's the new age of this industry. It's no longer, I know everything and it's my way or the highway. You're going to fucking crash and burn real quick. I mean, And it's funny because like sometimes like when I coach like salon owners about leadership, the first thing I have to do is audit the owner. I audit their social media, you know what I mean? And it's hard because sometimes I'm like, I can't work with you. Yeah, because you know, like I I I can't work with you because, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, would you work for you? Mm. Would you work for you? I know that I would work for this earlier. Like, would I work in the salon? Would you like, would you like, would if you left your salon, you were your boss and 
you just had a one-on-one, would you like what you just heard? Would you want to work next to this person every day? I know that I'm a blast behind the chair. (laughs) Um, And the reason why I know that is because I still like it. Um, It doesn't do what it used to do for me. um, And that's been really hard to admit. Mm -hmm. And I've now been saying it out loud more. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really hard for me to talk about it because it's the thing that has defined me um, is being a hairstylist and being behind the chair and rocking it out and having thousand dollar days. Like that was what defined me. And um, when it stopped doing what it did for me emotionally, um, I noticed that I wasn't this bright eyed star that I was behind the chair and it, it, I, my ego took a beating. Um, yeah, not that and, long ago, girl. Like it's a very humbling place to be because it's like, what changed? What changed, well, what changed for you? Cause I know what it was for me. I, I got to the root of it. So my root was that I was now finally becoming a true salon owner. Mm. which means that when you finally transform to that place, you're okay with coming, you're coming off the chair because now your new role is to lead them. Yep. And so what that's same for me, but different, like education wise. Yeah. Cause as, as, as I transitioned, I mean, listen, I will still work behind the chair until the end of the year. I will not ever give it up fully. Will I come like decrease? Yeah. But there's something that comes with that connection with clients. And I feel like I'm more relatable. It's I'm more relevant in the industry. I can't teach on something if I haven't. That's just my personal belief system, right? Um, But very similar to you last year, I was like, it's not doing it as much. Like, I don't hate it. I'm not burned out. But I'll notice that, like, I don't want to take on things that are too much. Big, huge projects. Like, it's not doing it for me. Nope. So I like the connecting with clients. I like being efficient um, and I like making money. So how can I, knowing that about myself, how can I now cater to that version of me? Because what's taking over is education. I'm transitioning from this identity of 20 something years of being a colors, being a badass colors, having all of that. But like now there's something that's taking precedence over that and admitting it is, is hard. So I see you like it was... I, I don't think I ever said it out loud until right now. While I still so love I, being here, it's not pouring into me the way I feel when I'm in front of a class or when I'm recording these podcasts, you know? Right, it's, and it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's my identity for so long. Yes, it's a like, scary feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, if I can get past the fear of it, I'm scared because it's new. I'm not scared because I don't trust myself. I'm not scared because it's not what I want. I'm just scared because it's a new the fear comes from the newness of it, not that I don't want it or I don't trust myself. It's just new. So if I can shift that perspective of, yes, it's scary because this is who I've identified as for 20 something years, but it's also like, what am I going to transition into and who am I going to identify now? Like, that's exciting. The The in-between sticky part is the weird, scary, like, oh, I don't know. But like, once you fully embody salon ownership, yeah. once you fully embody that, like, no, this is it. I still love doing hair, but this is, this is it, right? Like, you still love your clients. You still love doing hair, but edu- or salon ownership or your fucking hair loss, like, you are so passionate about that, that it's almost like it takes over. It does. Oh, and I can't, and I can't stop it. 
And once you um, open that well, dude, it's just going to fucking pour. Right. And the thing is, is uh, it's funny to bring it back to like the personality test. So a year ago, I make them do it every year. Um, A year ago, mine was a protagonist. Okay. Sounds like shit, but it's a, like it was, you know, a leader, a fighter, a, a, you know what I mean? So when I took that test this year, it changed to entrepreneur. (laughs) And that was right. And that was exactly now that's what I am. You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur now. In it now. Like right. you're standing in it instead and, of dipping your toes. Yes. And it's, again, like even for you being a bomb ass colorist, like that's all we know. That is what has made, that's what we're known for. Uh, that's what you've catapulted your career on. That's what you built your foundation on. And when you now, when it doesn't do it for you anymore, it's, it hurts. It's a morning process. Right. I compare it to like being with somebody that, like you've been in the relationship too long. Yeah. Like you love them. You love them. Love them. But like, it's just not it's time. And like, like, but again, it's like, it's bittersweet because when I do like take on a new client, like most of my focus now is extension work and hair loss work and toppers and all those things. And I do their color to accentuate that end, that end result. Um, so I'm getting it there, but again, like an educator, a true educator, like when we see our students or our stylists have those aha moments and watch them take something that you showed them and put it to their work and put their spin on it and make money off of that, you've literally changed their life. You literally have. There's no other feeling that tops that besides being a mom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but, the, but that that dopamine, that dopamine, yes, that yes, yes, that dopamine used to come from doing the beautiful transformation, turning the client, and then they're like, oh, like that fucking fueled me for so uh, long. But now, when I get a DM of just oh like, goodness. oh my god, I use your principles or your fundamentals, and I did this, and I got myself out of this situation into this, and thank you, like that does it for me. Or somebody says, I listened to this podcast episode and now I like it changed. Like that is what's giving it to me now. So while I'm sad that it's not as much from behind the chair, I'm still getting it. It's just somewhere else. Well, we were never also educated to believe that there was life beyond our chair. Oh, yeah. It was everything was behind the chair and or nothing. nothing. Yeah. Salon like there's so many salon owners who aren't even hairdressers like that was I don't understand that. Which listen to each their own. If you want to start a business, that's fine. But like, it, I, I hope get you advised from hairdressers because you got you got to know. I don't get it. The industry. Um, I'm a very much to each their own. Whatever works for you. I don't get that but one. I'm sorry. Either, it was <laughs> either you're gonna do hair, you're gonna be an assistant, or you're gonna do hair, and then you're done. Or you're gonna be an owner. Select few people or owner. Yeah, select few people would dive into education. Select few people would go into salon ownership. But the majority of the industry is you do hair until you're 90. And then you, you can't know, walk and, you're and your body's fucked. You're actually, <laughs> fit, but you feel 90 because God damn it. You're right, like, and you've taken no vacations. You haven't ever left your area. Um, And then you look yourself. back. No, actually, you, you're good. You do take time off and you do take vacations. Yes, yeah, I do. Um, I like I didn't before, though. But again, like if I didn't have the support system and the team that I have, I wouldn't because now I trust them. I've always trusted them. But now because I, now I trust them even more because 
I know that I left them with not only skill set, but I left them with the sense of what to do when I'm not there. I've given them tools and resources where if they needed each other, they could go to each other. Or if they needed me, I'm still at arm's reach, but they're able to sustain. Yeah. Because it's kind of like parenting, right? Yeah. Like when you, new age parenting. I mean, when I was being raised by my family, it was very much do this, do that, do this, do that, fit in this box. Where new age, I think the mentality of most moms now is let me pour into my child, let me affirm them, let me grow them, let me show them that they are capable and to trust themselves to be able to handle life instead of me always rescuing. Right. right? So it's the same thing with your staff. Like you've built into them the resiliency for them to stand on their own. And that is the most beautiful thing I think we can do for people, our children, our friends, our coworkers, our staff is like, yeah, my students, let me pour into you as best as I can and trust that you got it. And then you're going to prove to me that you got it. And then I get to be proud. And then you're winning. I'm winning. We're fucking winning. We're all winning. So there's so much, there's so much amazing positive influence that comes from doing what we do. And I wish that that was highlighted more because there's, I mean, negative is always going to take over the the positive in so many ways. But like when we think about it and I break it down this way to them, I'm like, this is a place where you could literally, like if you're having a bad day, whether, I mean, yes, clients too, but if one of my staff members is having a bad day, the best thing that I can hear from them, like is when they are having a bad day, they're like, Oh, I just wanted to come to work and relax. Oh, I love that. Like when I hear that, I know I did my fucking job. Yeah, that is your fucking confirmation, affirmation. You are on path. You're in alignment. That is like, I just, I just wanted to come to work. I just, I just wanted to come to work so I could just relax and, and just be in my place. And be in my happy place. Yes. But you created that. You created that space. Yes. And everybody <laughs> has, and every owner has the, I would say most of us, especially new ones coming up. They, we have that ability. And if that is the single thing that you take from this podcast, that is what you take. So then as we kind of wrap it up, cause I think we're almost. Yeah. Time it's uh, Halloween. <laughs> I know we got trick or treating to do. Um, so as we close this out, like, I think there's been a lot of really phenomenal nuggets that you've dropped. What would you say? Like if somebody is a salon owner right now, Okay. And they are in that space of, I'm afraid I'm going to have a walkout or my staff isn't thriving. I don't feel like we're, we're at that like peak. What, it, cause you're there pretty much. It seems like your staff is happy. Your revenue is great. Clients are happy. Like you're doing it right. What would you say to somebody who's in that position where I have my salon, but it's not where I want it to be. What needs to change? What are the shifts that need to happen? And I understand it's nuanced based on, um, yeah, Good. whatever. Overall, like, what is your uh, a few words of advice? So I would say that it has to start with you. So that person needs to do a, a personal audit of themselves. And that would mean talking, like asking that person, like asking that owner to ask themselves, like, what am I doing for my team? What am I giving my team? What am I wanting my team to do that I'm not doing? What have I laid out the expectations for them? Have I provided the training that they need to do the things that I want them to do? And what am I doing to make this place a positive 
play a positive place. Like a po- that's it. That's all you need to know. When you profit with a purpose, Ooh. everything else will fall into place. Instead of profit, just a profit. It doesn't work. Because yeah, you're not going to profit. You're not no, profit. because you can make money doing so much shit. Yeah. If, and you can make a lot more money than being a salon owner doing something else. If you get into salon ownership for wanting to be a, a million dollars, making a million dollars or taking home a million dollars, find a new job because it ain't going to happen. Uh, that's what I tell people who want to educate. I'm like, you don't get into education for money, boo-boo. No. Not in the beginning, especially. No, I mean, in the, I mean, beginning, out. middle, or maybe end. That's true. Yeah, because then there's a whole list of other responsibilities. You know, you educate for a color company that I have mad respect for. Um, it, I have it in my salon. Um, I'm a Redken artist. And I can tell you when I teach, I taught a class yesterday of 40 people. And when I saw those lights go off in their brain, oh I didn't care how much I was being paid. I'll do that shit for free. I mean, I, I mean, within I reason. Because I have to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yes, within reason, because it's that it's the contribution to the industry. Right. Whether- it's bigger than you. It's bigger yeah. than me. But again, like in but it comes my, down to me, like what you yeah. were saying, like for so and long. In my, right. And in my personal life, in my business life, you know, yes, my salon is does extremely well. But do not become a salon owner because you're going to make a lot of money. Like you'll make okay, you'll do all right, but you better your ass better be behind the chair. I'm still behind the chair. I'm not. Yes, I am behind the chair because I like doing hair. But I am behind the chair because I am not in the predicament yet to come out. Right. No I mean, I still love it, but I can't, I can't just be like, bye. My salon still needs my revenue. I'm a beast behind the chair. Yeah. So I need my book to still pay some of those bills because they are high as fuck. Yeah. Especially where you're at too. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I want to give just some kudos there, like just perspective shift, because as I've traveled and spoken and taught at many salons, I've met many salon owners, suite owners, whatever. But if as a salon come owner. Come to mine and teach. I would love to. So do oh, it. I think we have to. I think at this point we have to. Well, I, I do have questions. Okay. Hold on. Let me finish this thought and then we'll talk. <laughs> I do have questions. So my thought is this, that I've heard so many salon owners just super deflect and say, my staff this, my staff that, she didn't this, he didn't that, she did this, they did that. And you're, they're constant. And this may not be you. So please take what works, leave what doesn't. Um, I'm not shitting on anybody. It's just. Right. I've seen and hearing. So just maybe, maybe you are like this and you don't even realize it, right? Maybe hopefully you can shift that. But it's deflecting on everybody else instead of taking the responsibility. So I loved what you shared. How am I showing up? What am I doing? What am I contributing? Because it starts from you. Like you are the blueprint, you are the foundation on how the rest of the salon environment is cultivated. So if yeah. you take no responsibility and accountability, yet you expect your staff to, that's a red flag. If you're not contributing and you're not in the trenches, then that doesn't always mean you have to be behind the chair. But that right. means in the trenches with your staff um, and you're expecting them to, that is not, uh, that's a red flag. So right. it's just, where are you no the red flag? Yeah. You have to hold yourself yourself to the standard that you're holding your team to. Absolutely. They're only going to follow suit for what you're providing. So as we close, like salon ownership is the best job ever. Like I truly honestly believe that 
because I feel it and I love it. And I don't think I would be able to do anything else. Um, but I honestly think that if people would just do a little bit more, like just asking themselves who they are and where they want their salon to be and maybe wrote it out and said that, you, you know, you know, compared to your expectations compared to what's going on and you see those deficits, you'll be getting a very clear picture of where the salon is lacking. Yeah. And it sucks to admit that sometimes it's you. Yeah. But it's when you can admit that it's you instead of deflecting on everybody else, when you can admit that it's you, that's when you can now make things different and shift things. Immediately, like yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if a salon owner was going through that right now and they are like a good salon owner and they sat down and wrote, you know, and kind of did a little bit of like, uh, you know, self-realization and maybe a little bit of self, you know, that, that would, they would grow from that and then went to work tomorrow and said, Hey, let, let me, I'm going to call a meeting and I want to talk about all the things that I need to change in here. And this is the way that we're going. I, I respect all of you for staying with me during this time, but I really want to make this better. Help me make it better. Yeah. Guaranteed. Nobody's walking out. Nobody's going to walk out. Oh no. my God. So good. I love you. Thank you for that. I, th I hope that if you guys are listening, that there were some nuggets that you took from this. Um, if you're not following Dom at hair by Dom D, uh, not only is she a phenomenal salon owner, she also talks really passionately about and, and educates passionately about hair loss toppers. Like she's just a fucking badass. Um, and I'm so happy and honored. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fucking own that stand in that. Um, I'm so happy that we finally made the podcast happen. Oh, yeah. I know. It's been like a year. <laughs> I know. I appreciate you being on. Um, thank you. I love you. I no, appreciate I, you. I love I love talking to you. You're such a fireball. I love it. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, happy hair coloring. Bye. Bye.